a lot of people may or may not be familiar with the statistics, but only 2% of the venture capital money that goes for funding these innovations, only 2% goes to women and only 0.2% of that goes to women of color, which is BS. This is ridiculous. This is also the motivation why I need to get to the level that I want to get to be able to also open the doors for that. Because until those that are holding the cash and creating the policies and the regulations look more like us, Mm-hmm. nothing is going to change. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. So yeah, so that's part of all of that is in my mind. All of that, it's in like the core values of like, this is why I'm doing this. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. Today, we continue our What's Possible series, chatting with entrepreneurs who have experienced tremendous transformations in their business in 2020 in my program, Leap to Badass Authority. It's pretty incredible what can happen in a year or less when you stay focused on taking leaps every day to get closer to your goals. And I want to share these stories so that you can really see what's possible for you too, if you want to just reach out and grab it. With expertise in medical device product development, regulation, and quality, and she wants to use the magical powers of science and the know-how of industry to help the most vulnerable populations. She has a BS in aerospace engineering, an MS in mechanical engineering, and a doctorate in biomedical engineering. And she spent nearly a decade at the Fortune 500 medical firm Stryker, leading a global team that developed pediatric, I'm going to get this wrong, craniomaxillofacial implants from concept to global commercialization. So, Needless to say, this woman has got chops and the background to make big things happen. And boy, is she on a mission. Today, Ediuska is going to share her story of how growing up in Venezuela, she always knew she wanted to come to the U.S. and become a scientist and how her immigrant roots influenced her to start her company, Genius Shield, where she helps medical device innovators navigate the FDA approval process. But as dry as that might sound, that's what I really love about her because she is bringing her fun and vibrant personality to this industry. And she's such a great example of how branding in more technical industries especially if you're willing to stand out and be different and own your voice and personality, how it can go a long way to getting you noticed quickly. I mean, she's really at the very beginning of her journey with this business, and yet she's already getting tons of recognition through speaking engagements, awards, and panel invites that show her off as an expert. So buckle up. Here we go. Eliuska, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pia. So excited to talk to you today. So I find with a lot of my clients that 
no surprise, most of my clients are super badass at what they do. And I find that part of the reason they're attracted to us is because they're projecting their own badassery on us. Like I almost feel like a lot of our clients, it's like hard to really appreciate how good we are at our stuff unless you're really good at your stuff. And that's what I see in you. Because when I met you, I was like, this girl is fire. She knows everything about her craft. And she clearly strives for excellence in everything that she does. So I'm not surprised that she likes what I have to say. So that really attracted me to you specifically. Absolutely. I completely agree with that theory, projection and all of that. And thank you for your kind words. I appreciate it. I think it's like, like to like. (laughs) Well, so I believe that how you do anything is how you do everything. And I think you're a great example of that. If we look back into our childhood, we can kind of find that we've always been the people that we are. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have a pretty interesting and unique story. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and when you decided that you wanted to be in the sciences. Yes. It's funny because I recently did this magazine article. And when I interviewed with the journalist, the way that he put it is like her first cell pitch was to her parents. And I thought that was very clever because it's so true. I've always been a super geek and super interested in learning, especially science and um I had this fascination about the universe and the planets and since I was very young and by eight years old, I announced to my parents exactly what I wanted to do with my future. Apparently, I already knew. (laughs) At eight. At eight years old. And then in school, then I learned that to learn more about the universe, um, you can use satellites. And I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I was super excited to get home and I just burst into my mom's kitchen. And I was like, you know, quinceañeras are a pretty big deal in our culture. And I was like, mom, when I turn 15, I don't want any quinceanera party. I just want to go to the U.S., study and build satellites. That's pretty much how that went. (laughs) My mom thought that I was just having a moment. (laughs) It's just like she just stared at me and she was just like, you don't know how to cook. You don't know how to do laundry. You don't even have your period. And that was about it. It was very confusing, but I was laser focused on that even at that age. and. School came easy for me, and I did really well at school. I was valedictorian, which was perfect. And that consistency, showing my parents that I really wanted to do this and that it was I was doing the work and all of that. And, you know, well, tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Like, what was it like? Um, well, where? Oh, I'm sorry. I missed that. Yes. All of this happened. You don't sound like you're from here. (laughs) (laughs) All of that happened in the beautiful country of Venezuela. So very different. But of course, I've been living here for so long that now I don't even remember what was cultural shock for me when I first came. And Um, what did your parents do? Well, my parents are 
business owners, entrepreneurs, and my parents had all sorts of business. And we would actually work every summer with my parents. So a lot of, uh, I think a lot of my work ethics also comes from that. And not only me, my brothers and sisters, so there are four of us, I'm the oldest one. And we are all, I always say, it's like my parents, uh, very hardworking. They're the ones that made my dreams come true and make sure that I was able to come here, right? And so, and I saw my parents growing their business and being comfortable and also the ability to have multiple business. I thought that that was uh, wow. very interesting as well. What kind of um, businesses are we talking? So there was one that was uh, a transportation business that serve PDVSA, which was the largest petroleum company in the country. Right now, you may know Venezuela is quite chaotic. So a lot of these resources are not longer there or are not as great. But, but yeah, so they this was one of their biggest one, the transportation uh, company. My mom had a jewelry store as well. Even at points we had, how do you call them here? Those like game galleries, the arcades and things oh, an like arcade. that. Yeah. <laughs> and I used to- Wow, you guys, super... your parents are business people yes. opening like rando business. Yeah. And even, <laughs> and I so think cool. one of the biggest ones as well was they were in the, in the milk business. So, so yeah. <laughs> and together? But together. Yeah, yeah. Most of them were together. The- Jewelry was mainly my mom. My, my mom is actually the head of all of this business. Obviously, obviously, but yeah, and it was it's 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 uh, it's quite interesting because obviously there are seasons in which some businesses might do uh, better than the others, or some of them are consistent. Having those different streams of income, I think it was very smart of them. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't know a lot about. Venezuela. But political unrest, there's lots of poverty. It must be hard to have businesses there. Well, yeah, those businesses no longer exist. Really? Yes, that's how bad it is. So in a way, it's good that my parents did well when they needed to do well. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult to keep a business with the country's condition at the moment. Most of the the big corporations have left the country. Anybody who had the opportunity, if they were professionals, they also left the country to surrounding countries. Yeah, it makes it very difficult because even our best doctors, our best engineers have fled the country. It's difficult. So yeah, it's very tough and my parents are still there. It's, it's very concerning because my main family is there. It's still, there's a lot of unrest. There's um, high crime, violence. My brother was kidnapped at some point. And oh it's just like, we have stories. So my brother was kidnapped. My brother was kidnapped. And yes, he's okay. He survived. He's alive. But he's not even the only one. We have family friends who have also been kidnapped before. And and even if somebody gets sick, that's like my biggest concern, especially in the industry that I'm in. That's because there aren't the resources in the hospitals to treat people people wow. properly. And my parents and aunts and everybody are now at an age where 
everything's going to be resurfacing. So it's quite stressful from that perspective. And but it is something that it's not very unique to us. There are people from so many parts of the world that are in the same situation and even worse. So I'm just grateful that at least my parents are healthy and and and, and well under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. But certainly, it's it's a very stressful time for for the country and the people living there, and those that have to leave without wanting to leave. Like I wanted to, I wanted to study. <laughs> but, well, so know. tell us about that because you had a great story about coming here. So, how old were you, and how did that go down? Was that well, eight years old, you said I want to go. I want to go, right? And then, t- and you knew at eight years old that you wanted to go to the U.S. Yes. Why? Yeah. There's no aerospace engineering in Venezuela. <laughs> There's no studying the planets in Venezuela. So that was very clear. But it, it did take also continue to convincing my parents. It wasn't like they accepted, oh, okay, yes, sure, we'll go. It's just like, because I'm the oldest one. And the first girl, it was hard for, for my parents. And it was hard for my mom to leave me here. So what happened? So you planted the seed at eight yes. and then you kept talking about it. kept talking about it <laughs> nonstop. It drove my parents crazy. <laughs> so when I graduated, I was just like, I kept talking about it until finally he, my mom was just like, yeah, I get, okay. So we're going to go get your your passport, your visa, and we bought the tickets. So I graduated at 15, but ended up coming here at 16 uh, years old. And I actually came here to New York to stay with my aunt at the time who lived in uh, Queens. And uh, had you visited before? No, no, you've never been here. No. And you showed up at 15. Yes. To live with your aunt. Right. She had visited you. Yes, yes, she visited us. She wasn't an aunt by blood, but she was an aunt for with the family. So I arrived here to Queens, New York. And then later, as I was applying to schools with aerospace engineering programs, I ended up at the upstate New York at the University of Buffalo because they have one of the top programs in the country. So I ended up going there. Yeah. But it was crazy. I I had no idea what I was getting myself into. That's pretty amazing. So you went to aerospace engineering school. Is that what it is? Right. um, So you were started in space and aerospace stuff. And how asked me back there, I would have said, yeah, I'm going to do. I always knew that I wanted to also get the highest degree that I could get. Since I was here, I just felt like I knew all the opportunities that I could have coming here that I would mm-hmm. I would have not had if I were in, if I uh, were in Venezuela. So I'm like I'm going all the way in. Mm-hmm. So if you had asked me, I would have said, you know, I'm going to do everything: master's, PhD, aerospace engineering, all the way. And so, That's is that what you did? Well, I I did get all of those degrees, but mm-hmm. <laughs> not in aerospace engineering. My undergrad was in aerospace engineering. And then as I, and, and, and I was, me and another girl were the only girls graduating from that program. And, but I loved it. But I, as you get uh, more in depth with the program, you realize that to do 
well in that industry, you need to be more military oriented. And that was not the industry I wanted to be in. It was a little bit of, oh my God, what do I do now? And I started talking to some mentors and one of um, my mentors, she was like, I'm going to be teaching this cardiovascular biomechanics course um, in grad school next semester. You should sign in. And, and, and that was it. That was the click and the transition to biomedical engineering when the first class was amazing. And, and in terms of it was cardiovascular biomechanics. So I know it sounds like it might have nothing to do with aerospace engineering, but actually in aerospace engineering, you're pretty much analyzing fluids and gases and turbines and things like that. But cardiovascular research is like hemodynamics as well, which is pretty much analyzing. Now you're analyzing blood and veins and arteries, and it's even much more complex. And that was fascinating for me. I was just like, oh my God, this is so cool. This is it. And so so that's how I transitioned and, and found my calling into biomedical engineering. And Very that's cool. what I did for my master's and, that's and PhD. Did. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. What brought you to where you are today and, and why are you so excited about it? Yeah. So I had an amazing career, a striker, cranimaxillofacial, where I spent nearly a decade. And I learned so much and I had one of the best places to learn the know-how. And I think what drives me is making an impact on people's lives. And, and especially when it comes to health, I think that, yeah, we can, there's so many issues like hunger, education is a big one as well. But at the end of the day, if you don't have your health, you cannot do any of those things. So I think I've always connected with that. So that's a driving force for me. And I did a lot of that work while I was the striker. I was pretty much making implants that are used to repair babies' heads. I would spend a lot of time in the OR with those patients, with those surgeons, and we were making an impact and I learned so much. And um, being a woman and coming from a developing country, that's me. That's part of who I am. And when I looked at, okay, so what is, what is next? What's the next level? What's my legacy? I've done everything that I wanted to do as striker. I accomplished every single thing that I wanted to do as striker. For me, it's like, okay, so what do I do with all of this? And I, realize that a lot of this company do amazing things, but it takes so much more to develop medical solutions for those communities that I care about, those patient populations like women's health and the developing world. And when we're coming up with solutions in those big corporations, at the end of the day, we're serving uh, and we're designing for the U.S. and European market. But it's very different than designing for for the developing world. And what's important to me, my mission is to revolutionize and contribute to democratize healthcare and, and create 
medical innovations that have a true global health impact for all these vulnerable populations. And I think that we live in a time where we can actually do that, you know, with all the medical advancement. Women are playing a tremendous role because we do care about access for all. And that's what motivated me to be on my own and make that a priority, working on those type of technologies and taking a lot of that knowledge into those who have the potential but don't have the knowledge to make the best out of it. So you took all of your schooling and then all of your expertise that you built at Stryker, where you learned how the top corporation helped develop and get approval for medical devices. And you are taking that when you said you want to democratize healthcare, you're taking all of that knowledge and you want to apply that to help the smaller businesses, the smaller entrepreneurs, inventors who are not able to access all of the tools and resources and knowledge that someone at Stryker might. And you want to help do this in medical devices specifically that will help children and people in developing countries. Right. Vulnerable populations, which includes children and innovations for the developing world, because we're, we're global citizens. So I think we, we should all have access to the best medical technology possible. And the thing is, there's so much that we can learn from the masters. All of these top medical device companies, in terms of from the get-go, they're reducing risk. The worst case scenario is that you kill somebody, you harm somebody. And it's not with like your the, medical device because of something correct. faulty. Correct. Correct. And it wasn't properly vetted or because they didn't correct. do uh, without prompting you to go into the super technical <laughs> aspects of it. These are all these processes that you put medical devices through that ensure that they are as tested as they can be and perfected as much as possible to minimize and ideally eliminate any sort of faultiness or anything that could possibly hurt or, or kill somebody. Correct. Right. Correct. And that's yeah. the space that you work in. Correct. Yes. I'm like only half playing dumb because obviously I helped you build your brand and I have been <laughs> working on all of this. Right. Yes. But for the I benefit of our listeners, <laughs> No, it's so cool. And when I when I first sat down with you and brand shrinked you over a year ago and really got to know it, it was so inspiring and also is in a space that us laymen, we don't even obviously think about, know exists. And yet it has a profound effect on healthcare yes. all over the world. And And even I thought about it as just somebody who goes into a doctor or a hospital, something happens, you don't know what's going on. You just trust the people that are taking care of you and they trust the devices that they're using. And uh, the only reason they're trustworthy is because they went through an approval process through the FDA. But that is actually at the heart of like going through that approval process. You can do it very well or exceptionally well. And you're going for exceptional. You're going for as near perfect as possible because that is the difference yes. um, between someone's life. Exactly. exactly. That's so cool. We've done a really good job setting up incubators and accelerators for all of this amazing innovations with all these brilliant intra entrepreneurs. At the same time, we're not putting as much effort as to 
bringing in that knowledge, which is what really is going to make an impact. And also the quality of it is the most important because I think that we can completely eliminate recalls if we do this correctly from the beginning. So it's, it's, it's huge. It's huge. And I don't think people connect those very often. Like people in in the industry, inventors, Mm -hmm. yeah, that started this for the first time. Because also, where would they learn this, right? Once again, it goes back to having the knowledge in these big corporations, med tech companies, because they've doing it for years. They have a robust process in place for the beginning. But these folks over here that also have amazing ideas that can change the world may go through this process in a way where they're going to set up their se- themselves to fail very quickly or simply put out something that it could harm patients. You know, back to your concept of democratization mm-hmm. and, and also a waste of brilliance and brain power. We're talking about individuals, small businesses, inventors who are brilliant and have big vision, big ideas. They're they're inventing medical devices that can literally save people's lives. I know some of these very um, innovative uh, medical devices can save people's lives in developing countries with something very simple. I'll ask you, tell us about Neopenda, one of your clients. Yes, yeah, so that is a great example of a medical device that has a true global health impact, which was initially targeted for places like Uganda. I have a lot of admiration for uh, what these female founders uh, are trying trying to do with this medical device. It's a wearable that monitors the vital signs of newborns. In places like Uganda, you only have one to two nurses to attend 50, 60 babies in a neonatal ICU. So by the time you get to that last baby, things might not look so good. And so a device like this is extremely important where a nurse would be able to, from a tablet, be able to monitor the vital signs of these babies and make sure that they're doing okay. And if something comes up, that they can treat them correctly. And so, so yeah, this was such a, uh, a great project for me, not only because it aligns really well with my mission and my values and what I want to do, wanted to do for, for the next level, and with the technology being being a wearable, but also targeting the, the developing world, I have tremendous extensive experience uh, developing products for the pediatric population and being able to clear products both in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. So, so I was very familiar with all of that. And uh, I think that one of the biggest learnings, uh, not only for me, but for them, is that when I got there, they they thought they were close to submitting to a regulatory body. They've been working on the device for three years. And then when I got there, I and I started doing my, let's call it my vetting process without getting too technical into everything that I do. We r- realized that they were missing 98% of all of the requirements that they needed to even be close to that. And it was shocking for them. It was shocking for me. It really gave me an understanding and opened my eyes as to, okay, because these are super smart people. Like they, they, they know the product, da, 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 
but they've never gone through a product development process before, through a regulatory process right. before. So the and gap so, of knowledge was literally 98%. Yes, they thought they were almost there, but they were actually yeah. only 2% of the way sure. there. And so, so that's why I created my process the way that it is, because I understood that, okay, so they don't even know that they need to take a step back and create the infrastructure, the foundation for product development and, and having all these procedures and records. And so, and so I think that was the, the, the beauty of, of that process because it allowed me to then really take them into, you know, a position where this is what it will take to get ready and this is what we need exactly what we need to do and walking them through the process hand to hand pretty much but it made me realize how much it was not known and uh, the tremendous gap and i think that in the more that i speak to these entrepreneurs the more i realize they're all on the same boat because it really takes being in the industry many years connecting the dots and to really understand what going and where to begin because you have so many things there's so many regulatory guidances there's so many uh, standards and when, where do you begin like mm. where do you even begin so it's, it's really so complicated right? you need yeah. you need humans who have an, <laughs> an understanding of the whole thing to right. be able to even yes. know where to start yes yes absolutely. and that's you yeah. And that's me. That's what I'm trying to do here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'll say that what one of the things that really excited me about your whole story and where you are and obviously first having to learn what the hell you're talking about, <laughs> but then seeing it in the context and the fact that what you're trying to do, what you're doing, it doesn't really exist. But there's the huge companies and they have access to all the resources and they got a lot of money and they can do this. And then there's all these inventors and these entrepreneurs who are who don't know what they don't know and are trying to do these often very visionary humanitarian things. But they're also looking to make money and just change the face of healthcare and just the the Neopenda for the infants in Uganda, like just that one thing alone could save many, many babies mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just that one device. Just in one hospital, that thing could uh, save many babies. Imagine that in the whole world. So these have profound implications. But because it's so complicated, and by the way, listeners, I encounter a lot of people where the thing that they're doing is so nuanced. And actually, the reason that they're so good at their consulting is because they are very, very expert, but they also have a a bigger picture understanding of the whole playing field. And that's really important. It's like you want to be an expert, but you can't be myopic in your expertise. You have to have understanding of a, of a bigger picture. That's why when they're hiring, when you're hiring a consultant who's really good, to me, that's a lot of what you're looking for. This deep mm -hmm. expertise paired with like a, a bigger picture understanding so that you're not just solving this problem over here and not even knowing that there's a problem over there that makes this problem inconsequential, whether you solve it or not, right? They all go hand in hand. And that's, and that's what you're doing. And what I think is so fascinating and so inspiring to me, exciting, is that you are the person to do this, Alicia, <laughs> because you are because the, let's be honest, this is a pretty dry topic, hmm. regulatory 
processes <laughs> for medical devices. And yet you are this young, vivacious, spunky woman you are defying all sorts of norms and stereotypes about what people in science are. And you're going to bring this to a place where it's not dry and boring because that's what, that's what democratization looks like. It means like taking it and breaking it down and making it interesting and making it accessible so that people who don't even know what they don't know perk their ears up and say, I, oh, I don't know about this piece of it, or I had no idea. Let me learn more. And you are the, the, the person delivering the message and educating them Mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. And you should be that person. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I accept it. I am. (laughs) (laughs) I am. (laughs) I have accepted that. And uh, yes, I love that you, you put it really well. And, and I, that is, absolutely what the mission is about. And it's not only supporting, sponsoring, making sure that the knowledge is accessible. And for those who want to innovate for those patients around the world that need it the most, um, because right now the, even the regulatory language is, is very it's very male. It's, this is a male dominated uh, industry. We've made it very complex, and but I think also a big part of democratizing and decolonizing is around now there is a wave of innovations in the women's health ecosystem. We haven't been taking care of ourselves for the longest time. Now it's when you're getting uh, a lot of badass entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs, taking care of business and coming up with solutions for, there's a lot of fertility issues, things that are are coming out, but also in in, in postpartum depression or even in, 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 in the developing world is still giving birth. It's a big issue and a lot of lives are lost through infections and all of these things. So now it's when there's this amazing wave at the same time, it's like we have this regulatory bodies. And in my humble opinion, I don't think we have a strong enough female voice in those regulatory bodies like the FDA, for instance, that because at the end of the day, they're the ones that are clearing all of these products that are going to the market. And if we don't have a strong female voice for those products, who's going to prioritize? Who's going to make sure that this is really the right fit, right? So that's part of that process. I'm also very interested in and this is why it's like i know i'm always joking that it's like i have no choice but to make it to be famous because there's need to be change and one of the reasons as well is because uh, a lot of people may or may not be familiar with the statistics but only two percent of the venture capital money that goes for funding these innovations only 2% goes to women and only 0.2% of that goes to women of color, which is BS. This is ridiculous. This is also the motivation why I need to get to the level that I want to get to be able to also open the doors for that. Because until those that are holding the cash and creating the policies and the regulations look more like us, 
Mm-hmm. Nothing is going to change. Mm-hmm. This is simple as that. So yeah, so that's part of all of that is in my mind. All of that it's in like the core values of like this is why I'm doing this because that's what democratizing and decolonizing mm-hmm. you know um, looks like at least from my perspective. Say it again. I have no choice. I have no choice but to be famous. <laughs> so I, I agree. You have no choice. <laughs> I agree. I agree. You have no choice. You are the person. You are the chosen one. I mean, I really, I don't say that lightly. You are just perfectly positioned. Who you are, the space you're in, your your big vision, part of your your challenge. And what's so fun about talking to you about this stuff is that you understand it. So you're like super enthusiastic about all of this. You're like, don't you see how this can help everyone? But to people listening, if you're not in this world, it's really hard to get motivated. And again, that's why I feel like you have no choice to be famous because your knowledge and enthusiasm about this is what's going to move the needle here, which brings me to why you're building your brand and like why you're doing all of this work. I mean, when you told me I have no choice to be famous, I was like, you're right. You're the person (laughs) and we got to get you out there. And what's also fun about watching you do this work and helping you do this work is that you're not just willing to, you're actively embracing Mm -hmm. your personality and really making it yours. And that is what's going to get people's attention and pay attention and, How is that going? I mean, I feel like it's just like pretty natural for you, actually. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have no problem to be me. Like I'm always. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you see, you're going to get and I have no problem expressing myself. I I have no, I'm not willing to ding my light for anybody. (laughs) So in that case, it's like, and, and I think that's what's required to, to do what I believe my mission is, mm-hmm. right? So, but, so I'm having fun with it and learning a lot. And it's definitely, I always say, I know what I'm an expert on and what I'm not an expert on. So it's been the most amazing experience to partner with with you and being able to to learn from from people like you because I have I knew that I needed to I knew that I was an expert and I knew that I needed to project that to the world so I can get my voice out my mission out and mission accomplished but I have no idea how <laughs> that would look like of course. and so and that's what it's been you know uh, uh, a learning process and I'm so glad that I have the best people around to do <laughs> oh and but yeah it's been very eye-opening I love writing I love expressing myself and especially when there's uh, a strong purpose behind it so I'm willing to do the work and and I think it's like I've been having fun doing the work and and sharing as much knowledge I really want to share this knowledge with people because I think that this is ultimately how we protect patients and people around the world. So yeah, so I, I, I love it. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it's fun because you took my boot camp like last year, mm-hmm. right? But, but then you joined Leap and we yeah. did your brand, mm-hmm. which was fun. Be- I mean, 
you're the only person that I let in <laughs> that didn't have a pretty established business. And and it was because you so clearly weren't going to let anything get in your way and also had the client experience and so much expertise. And so it was going to be fun to take somebody who, let's be honest, you had literally no footprint online, <laughs> right? So like yeah. One thing you were in somewhere once. So when you searched your name, which is a very unique name, that was all that came up and you weren't even anywhere. I think this is my, like when, um, when you asked for a website, I just sent you my link yeah, right. because that's the only website. Right. <laughs> so I had to brand you from scratch. They don't normally do, but it worked for you. It made sense for you because you had this experience and because you did have this clients before. Also, it's a, it's a challenge to be starting from complete scratch mm-hmm, yes. first on the scene with a complete two brands right because we did we did gave you the works girl mm-hmm. we gave, you the, mm-hmm. <laughs> gave you the company and the personal brand because you have to be famous and because you are building a company that's going to require right. a company brand these were a lot of decisions we had to make but and actually i think i even told you i wouldn't normally get even this is the best thing for you to do i wouldn't normally necessarily tell people to do it because i don't think they can handle it I know you can handle it. <laughs> it's like, because you're going to, you might as well do it the right way. Two brands right out of the gate. But this was after, and I, you told me this story before, so I want you to share it because I think hiring people actually also gives you a lot of insight into how you can show up for your clients. And you did hire someone last year at some point to do a website or a brand or something. Yes. yes. Just tell me <laughs> what brought you to hire them and what that experience was like, because I think it's, I think it's a very common experience and there's mm. nothing wrong with the person doing it, but it gives everyone a lot of insight into what not to do and, and how you can do that, how, what you should do instead that will take care of everybody. And you can do this in your own business and also look for it when you're hiring. So Tell me a little bit about that. Yes, definitely. And that was one of the experiences that were, I think, as a new business owner, and even you, you were going to have experiences like that all throughout your, you know, business lifetime. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Making those type of decisions. And for me, I, uh, I had the background and everything, but I knew that at least I needed to have some sort of website to bring people in to understand more of what I'm doing. So I, I, I knew that much. And I was also trying to now that I've spent many years working with predominantly men where I was the only women leading all this man. So, so part of my mission outside of that is like bringing on board more women and women entrepreneurs and who are trying to and, and diverse people and all of that. So that was one of the attractions for the people that I hire, the team that I hire. And, and at this point, I'm not, no, I don't know anything about branding what it takes to do a website. I talked to a lot of people. I mean, I'm a, I'm a researcher uh, heart. So I did a lot of research and I thought that I did a lot of comparison and I ended up hiring this team. And I thought that I was making the right choice at the time. And, and, you know, there were within the budget that I thought it's like, it will create some output. What was, what made you choose them? What do you remember? Well, the person was recommended from someone and then 
I had a good feeling when I spoke to this person. It seemed like in terms of the the background, they had the right background. They were starting a business. I wanted to support them. And I thought they were kind of in the same transition. I, I guess I projected a little bit. And so I do that you know. <laughs> a lot when I hire. Yeah. I I thought and and she come up with this proposal and like all of the things that you know we needed to do and we'll drive you through this and that I thought that I was that yeah that that makes sense but then again I've never done this before so I didn't know I didn't know right you didn't know you didn't know (laughs) I didn't know how that would look like and it turned out to be tremendous amount of work to even like even aesthetically, they were not even getting to where I wanted to be. The communication started to become really bad. And it's just like, it was chaos. And we kept standing timeline after timeline. And it was pretty much time and money wasted. Like it got to the point I was at that point, I was suffering. And I didn't see that we were even close to get like one landing page up. <laughs> so so I had to make that decision that, yeah, I invested in this amount of money. And I invested in this much time. But it's time to let go because this is just not going to work. I'm not going to get what I want. That's what it come, came down to that I realized recognize, accept it. This is loss and I'm never going to get what I want with these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what it came down to. And I was very patient and I was in, like throwing money even outside of that to try to come up with copy because they were not good at the copy, even though they said they were so good at the copy and I was not like to help me with that. It was, it was crazy. It what was do you very... think, what do you think is the reason that they weren't able to get you? To be honest, I have no idea because that's, I'm very detail-oriented and I communicate very straightforward, like this is this, this, and this. Yeah. And I, of course, did that with them. And I'm like, and this is that. And it was just like, I think it's just the aesthetics were not there. And... Didn't get it. They just didn't get it. And I... Yeah, unfortunately. And this is not to hate on them. It's like, I'm trying to figure it out because I remember you telling me this and it was what I heard was really, they just didn't, you just didn't feel heard. You didn't feel understood. And and if they didn't, when the client doesn't feel understood, it kind of doesn't matter what they create. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, also, if you don't understand the client, you're not going to create the thing that they need right. but you gotta right. really listen to the person you're talking to and they weren't listening to you yeah right right complete so that was yeah I had to make that decision of like okay yes I need to accept this is a loss and and then I need to move on because I'm never gonna get what I want well good for you and I think so. a lot of people when they get into that position they're just like no I've spent all this money and now this is what I have to have it's like mm-hmm. if this isn't gonna help your business it doesn't matter how much money you yeah. spend like yeah move on yeah. I was like, this does not represent me at all. Like, there's no way I can put this out. Like, Mm. no, I'd rather to have nothing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what I did. I had nothing until I met you. Yeah. (laughs) Which was a completely 360 degree experience. And and it's like, and, and and this translates in all industries, really. Hiring people that really bring in the expertise and it's like I take my 
clients into these journeys. And I really know this in and out. And I think that's what you guys do as well. Like I didn't have to worry about anything. Right. And it's just like, and it was brought up in a language where like, I didn't need to know like all of the branding terminologies, but I knew what my output was going to be. And I was extremely excited about the output. And you guys like took me to this journey, like, because especially when you don't know, then that's what you need someone to do for you to take you through that because that is the right way. And this is the outcome that we're going to get. And okay, then we're good. <laughs> and, and if you see every step of the way, you're excited and you're getting what where you're supposed to get in the step of the way. Being you're reflected sick. in the work. So yeah. you're feeling heard the whole way. Correct. Important. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think it's a, a marriage of, because I think what I also heard from you about this other company is just that they were asking you to answer a lot of questions that you mm-hmm. didn't have the expertise to answer. So I don't know what questions they were, but making it up, like, what pages should you have on your website? You're like, Mm. I don't know. Mm. (laughs) I've never made a website before. Right. 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 So asking questions, but almost like asking the wrong questions. Correct. Asking questions that you don't have answers to without asking the questions that you are the only person that can answer, which is basically Mm. like, what's the goal? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who are you and why is this so important? And what do we need to communicate? And then right. give the answer, which, by the way, is what you do for your clients. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, yeah. So that was a very interesting experience. Learned a lot. and But it took me to to my perfect match. <laughs> you guys. So. Well, I have to say, like, because we spend a lot of time with clients before we actually do the branding, right? We do the, the brand shrink and we go we go deep with you. And then after the brand shrink and we agree on the the brief, then Steve does all this work and I do all this work with the copy. And then Steve and I meet and talk about this the whole time. And we pushed it really far because, because you got a big personality. (laughs) And when, and we always say it's like the, our worst case scenario is that a client comes in and says, it's not as cool or as fun or as out there as I wanted it to be. Not that it always has to be that a lot of our clients are, are not pushing the envelope. But when a client comes in and they are pushing the envelope, we're like, well, they better be the ones reining us in, right? <laughs> like we can't, if they come to us and and they go, no, go p- farther, then we like missed the mark or we weren't really giving it. So we got to bring, if you go to uh, Eliuska's websites, which obviously I'll, I'll link to, that, that space woman with the flowers. Like when we found this imagery, we were like, oh my God, I love this so much. And this is so her. Like, oh, I'm a little nervous because if she doesn't love it, <laughs> then we're going to be so disappointed <laughs> because it's so cool. And obviously you loved it because it was so you, yeah. but that's the kind of stuff where we know it's like a perfect match because yeah. you were like, yes, yeah. <laughs> this is me. I still remember that moment. I was like, oh my God, I love this. <laughs> it was so good. It's such a good feeling. And to be honest, it's like, it cannot be more me. And I'm so proud of all of this work that we did. And even, and I take it everywhere. Like 
it's on my slides. It's like, it's like, like I take it everywhere and people are always like, oh my God, this is so cool. And they get the whole thing. And, and the ones that don't, like, I don't care, but it's like, right. <laughs> it's they, don't so, they don't have to, but it's so, uh, so me. So what I'm trying to do. So yes. Yeah. Definitely. And I remember your brother was like, this is so you, which yes. to me was an even better compliment. <laughs> They're all yeah, 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 yeah. My brother was just like, this is incredible he's a huge fan I just love it that he well I appreciate that but I just love that he saw you in it because that's again like our our job our goal is like to get that essence but ultimately another reason that the your brand is so fun is because of this it's contrarian in your space I mean yes young female woman of color immigrant Mm mm-hmm in your face, awesome brand. Mm-hmm. Nothing like, I mean, nothing like anything <laughs> in its space. And you just can't help but pay attention. You just yes. can't help it. And you're you are the the face and the voice of this generation's science leaders. I mean, so you've only been like we we did that brand up in January. Okay. So it's been not even 10 months. Hmm. And let's be honest, you are you are creating a whole foundation for businesses, as we've discussed, with pretty big goals <laughs> and pretty huge plans. You've been doing the groundwork this year. You've been creating amazing content. You've been just setting up business systems. You've been networking. You've been c- contacting people. And you've actually gotten quite a bit of recognition already. Brag a little. <laughs> <laughs> you've been invited and you've gotten some awards yes yes no it's been under the circumstances this year with this global timeout and obviously all the the chaos with with the pandemic I actually started the year really strong and and with a lot of beautiful surprises I was the beginning of of the year I was awarded with the 2020 Woman in the STEM Award in Cleveland. And then right after that... At the Cleveland was, Clinic. Is that what it's called? So the uh, so it's, uh, it's Cleveland State Cleveland Clinic with, with the same program where I got my, my doctoral um, degree. Right, and which is so, like one of the premier... Right. Yeah. So that was... That was, that was very yeah. cool. That was very cool. And and then not too long after that, I was invited to to the Women's and Girls in Science Assembly at the United Nations. That happens once a year, invited only. So that was a tremendous honor for me as well. And it was a lot of fun. And then also I've been invited to be featured in this magazine in Cleveland. I'm not sure when the article is going to come out, but we've done that. I was also nominated and then uh, got the award for this. It's called the 100, 100 Top 100 Top Healthcare Influencers in the country, something like that. I'm sorry that I, can't I don't know even that. Keep track. I can't even keep track. <laughs> I thought, I, yeah, that I don't remember the the exact name of the award, but it's like that was also really really cool and and very exciting because it's like I see it as 
evidence that I am in the right path, that this is really, it goes, it attunes with the mission and it's, and it, and all of these things help me to, to get to that position where I want to be and being able to influence all of these different organizations and what I do and, and the science and the product development and all of that comes from having that footprint that we talked about, like being, having a presence, being online, which is everything that we've been working on, on the LEAP program and with all the branding and stuff. So, I mean, you look like the person who has these awards. You deserve the awards and you already had the credibility, but Mm -hmm. they can't help it. They want to give it to people who look like they deserve those awards Hmm. and that they can show off because when somebody gives you an award, they're now marketing you and they're Hmm. now associating you with them. I mean, as superficial as that sounds, it's really important. Yeah. And you look like that person. I mean, it's really a... It's a level jumper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And no, it's thank cool. You. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it is very cool. And I am open to more awards. Anybody who's listening <laughs> wants to give awards. <laughs> Keep I'm them sure. coming. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Well, okay, so let's talk about a little behind the scenes because I know you've been doing so much behind the scenes um, work and it's starting to like come to fruition, especially because you're creating systems to stay in touch with people so that you can continue to build your authority and actually have it go somewhere. Mm-hmm. I know you've been invited on podcasts, you've been invited on interviews, and when all when you go on all of those places, including here, mm-hmm. like I taught you, what <laughs> kinds of things do you offer them so that they can stay in touch? So, well, right now, actually, I have a very cool series that I've been working on for a while. It's based on this company, Theranos, who, and and I don't know if if our audience here would know much about, but just to, because they were in all headlines, but to give a little bit of a background. Well, it's the HBO there's an HBO right. documentary an, about it. Yeah, that's how big it is. It's yeah. very pop culture where Theranos was supposed to revolutionize healthcare with a drop of blood, being able to give you all of the same output that you get from getting vials and vials of blood from drawn from you. So that and was quickly, the main difference. And quickly from this and, little machine. And, and much more affordable. And yeah. Much, yeah. Oh, and, and so, just so as reference for those of you who maybe saw it or just saw it in your HBO feed, it's that blonde woman with the black turtleneck holding the little <laughs> vial. It's a very iconic image. Yes, yeah. yes. Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. Um, so yeah, and this turned out to be one of the biggest losses, scandals from many perspectives. $9 billion were lost from in money invested in the company. Billion, would um, be $9 billion lost? $9 billion. And patients were harmed. There's lots of lawsuits. She is um, going to court right now for fraud charges as well. But one of the biggest for me, it's like, 
the patients that were hurt. And there's a lot of all the signs were there, as I keep saying. And so one of the things that I did is like, I took all of the Food and Drug Administration notices from the audits that they did to the company and highlighting everything that was going wrong. And this is typical product development, quality issues that I see all the time. So it make my work so much easier to be able to, to highlight with such a good example. And this is really when you do all of this wrong things that they did, yeah, that's going to be the outcome. That kind of loss and harming patients. That's what happens when you don't do this correctly from day one, where you don't take regulatory and quality into consideration from day one. And so I talk a lot about that, this design and specifications, risk management, and all of this uh, cool stuff that we talk in regulation. But anyways, I... I put a lot of thought in creating this really engaging series, um, talking about all these issues and and how we can, most importantly, how we can do better because we can do better. And it's like recommendations of how how we do this correctly. There, so hopefully there, we're not creating a, another Theranos in our future. And then, so I, this is part of what I'm sharing right now with when I go and uh, talking to places and the best way to if anybody's interested and want to take a look uh, the best way is to go to my website and which is geniusshield.io and then slash theranos and you will get the first article there and we'll link to it in the show notes it's a great series and what i love also about it is that obviously it's some badass content again like you make this very technical very complex and hard to understand topic accessible and interesting because that's what needs to happen in order to get the information out there so that the right people can access it Mm -hmm. that it can actually have an impact on them so that they can know what they don't know which is that they need to do this kind of work and what better way than to capitalize on a pop culture reference that maybe everyone didn't watch that documentary, but I'm sure anybody in your space. (laughs) I mean, it was great and it's related. So of course they've watched it. So I just thought both as a great, just piece of content in general, but also as a great example of what great content can be using those strategies to connect with people, but you should just go read it for fun anyway, because talk about infusing personality into <laughs> you really embraced it. And you even emailed me all the titles of your articles at one point, And one of them was a um, bleeped out Rihanna song. And I won't tell you which one guys, you'll have to go find it. He was like, is this too much? <laughs> and I said, girl, if it feels like too much, but you like it, do it. She was like, that's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> not having fun. What are you doing here? Exactly. Exactly. And and the funny thing is like, I loved it. I love that process. And really my creative juices were their best. And I, what I like the most is like, I had a 
really great response. Actually, I got people emailing me that this is very engaging. This is a lot of fun. Thank you for doing this. Those that are my mailing list, of course. And, but anyways, yeah, that was, and, and that's what I'm, what I'm trying to do and what I love doing. And uh, it's part of, once again, decolonizing, democratizing, really making it accessible, as you said. So, Well, you are on a rocket ship and it is really fun to watch you. And I mean, you're going to do huge things. You're already doing huge things, but I am just... She's one to watch, guys. Really excited for your future because let me tell you, every everything I have ever suggested or every strategy we've discussed or every plan you've put down in place, you're also one of those people. I had Rachel on a couple weeks ago and you guys are similar, like both people <laughs> who I say something and then you're like, okay, good, did it. What's next? <laughs> An hour later, I did all the things for the week. What's next? Um, that's so fun because I get to watch when somebody shows up and really just puts their foot on the gas and goes for it with every with every single thing in their business, they are going to reap the benefits and they're going to reap them much faster than people who, oh yeah, I'll get to that later. I mean, you don't have to kill yourself, but just showing up with that kind of enthusiasm. And I think a lot of that enthusiasm for you obviously comes from purpose-driven work. I mean, you've got a big vision. That's why connect. I, I hate saying connecting with your why, because I think a lot of people don't quite understand what that means. And it's not always so apparent what the why is. It's like, I want to help. No, you've got a really clear why. Mm -hmm. And it's right there. And it's tangible. And it's big. And you'll never achieve it because it's so big. You can always be going towards it. And that's exciting. Because however, the farther you go with it, the more people you're going to impact on a scale that is dwarfs probably anything that I could possibly do, <laughs> which is really cool. Oh, thank you, Pia. I appreciate that. And listening, uh, listening to you makes me even more excited and being surrounded by people like you with your knowledge and your expertise and, you know, also your willingness to, to share and help. I think you're like, I guarantee, and I, I'm sure like a lot of people have that are listening to this podcast have been on your boot camps and, and other calls and, and whatnot. And it's just like contagious, like it's just constant peer energy. That's, I think, even, I think people, even if it's not within their content, just to get a shot of that <laughs> energy and that positivity, it's, it's amazing. And I'm just so lucky to 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 have found you and been able to help me in this journey because I need all the help that I can get to be able to get to to this mission of mine and <laughs> so yeah so thank you and I I love that you're part of this and I love being part of all of this process and I'm learning so much myself so this is this is just awesome and it just keeps getting better Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be part of your journey and let's keep going. We got a lot of work to do. Yes. <laughs> got no choice but to be famous. So. <laughs> I'm going to call the episode that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Anuska. Oh, thank you, Pia. 
In 2019, Ediuska was still completely unknown, with no brand online or off, and only her experience from her work at Stryker to get her clients and opportunities. Less than a year later, she has a strong brand voice that she owns, and it's helping her get recognition and invites to prestigious events like the United Nations Women and Girls in Science Assembly. She knows exactly what to do each and every day to build her reputation online and market her brand and increase her visibility to attract top-tier clients that she can help save the world with her genius. And this is possible for you, too. But there's no silver bullet. It's the result of a thousand little decisions you make every single day that add up to have the life and business that you want. And in each decision, doing it in a way that is true to your brand and who you are and being seen as a celebrity expert in your space. My program, Leap, is a comprehensive 12-month group coaching experience designed to transform you into the go-to authority in your space for a highly profitable business full of ease and freedom. Maybe you know that you are great at what you do and you have lots of happy clients to prove it, but you feel stuck where you are. You're working all the time and wondering if you're ever going to achieve ease in your business. Or maybe you feel completely out of control of your revenue and the services that you offer because you're at the mercy of referrals. You feel like you can't turn down clients you don't want to work with because you never know when the next client is going to appear. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) Well, screw that. It's time to make your business work for you. Step up and take control of your business and life by transforming yourself into a badass authority. You absolutely can do this, and you don't need to wait for someone else to anoint you as an authority. Imagine knowing exactly what it takes to attract raving fans. Imagine being picky about the clients that you take on and only taking the ones that are happy to pay whatever it takes to work with you because they know that you and only you are the solution to their problems. Imagine never selling again. When you're an authority, prospects are all super fans who can't wait to hire you, which means you don't have to have sales calls. You have calls to see if they're an ideal client or not. That's it. This is all right there if you are just ready to reach out and grab it. Doors are open right now. Go to badassyourbusiness.com backslash leap to learn more and apply. Last year, I received over 200 applications for just 10 spots. And I only offered calls to 18 of those people because I'm only interested in people who I know are going to succeed and who will 10x their investment. That means no hard sell, guys. I'm only looking for people who are a perfect fit. So go to badassyourbusiness.com backslash leap and fill out an application. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Do you really want to know what's possible in your business? I'll tell you. It's whatever you decide you're going to make happen. And that's what showing your business who's boss is all about.